You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Amen. We've missed a few weeks here together because of, uh, in this series, we've had to break because of uh, some of the construction delays we've got going with the restrooms. And thank you for everybody that's helping us uh, with that. And uh, then we had the holidays, Thanksgiving. And uh, then we had the pastor's quiz last Wednesday, which I I deeply regret missing. Amen. But I was thankful for everything uh, that happened. Amen. All of our quizzers, I'm so proud of them, all the things that they are memorizing and learning and just absolutely phenomenal, really is incredible. And so here we are. We're going to jump back in here, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And we finished at verse 15 uh, the last time we were here. And we're just going to pick this back up. So if you missed the first four weeks, I, I don't know, I can't remember what week we're on here. But if you missed the first four or five weeks or so, you can go back and you can catch that uh, online, YouTube, podcast, other places. And, uh, but we're just going to pick up right here. In, in chapter 3, of course, the title of this series is The Wisdom of God. The Wisdom of God. And Paul has been illustrating uh, a little bit for us how that God's wisdom is, does not make sense to the world. We talked about that. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. That the cross is an absurd idea. It's an absurd, absurd concept that um, the Lord uses, that Jesus uses for his kingdom. Uh, he goes, he flips everything upside down. And instead of coming in first as a conquering king, he comes in as a humble servant and submits and surrenders to the death of the cross. And by extension, he now asks each of us to do the same, to take up our cross daily. And so we live not only uh, under the influence of the cross of Calvary that Jesus partook in, the work that he did, but now we daily also follow in his footsteps. And that this doesn't make sense to the world. It it does not uh, defies human logic. It defies uh, all of the ways of our human prides and our natural inclination for those prides. Uh, humility, surrender, submission. These are not things that are innate, uh, come naturally in us. These are not the things that we want. How many fight with your children to get them to get up in the morning, to get them to go to school, to get them to do whatever? And and because uh, uh, that is not something that we want to do it our way. And yet here God comes preaching something different And Paul is talking about this, and he's really addressing the problems in the church, the strife among them, how they are allowing their pride to be exalted, how some are excited saying, well, I'm of Paul, and others, I'm of Apollos, and all these contentions are taking place, and now, instead of being one in Christ, they're all divided. 
It'd be as foolish as us saying, well, you know, I sit in this section. This section of the church is the best section. Praise God. Well, no, we sit in this section. This section, the best. It would, it would be that ludicrous as if they had divided the church up. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, well, this is the best section in the church. <laughs> so we're going to preach to you tonight. That's... that's... <laughs> And, and, that, and that's literally what had happened. It was as if they were thinking this and they were not even aware. They were not even aware of what they were doing. So Paul comes in rather strong language and he's talking to them about this and telling them this is foolishness. And we ended up where he was saying, look, you're so focused on the things of this world. Uh, he said that in reality, when it's all said and done, God's going to send fire to judge and, and you may be saved. There is a chance. And this, this was a sobering thought. You will be saved. But he was using the analogy. He said, but, but by fire, you're barely going to escape. It's like you're running out of, a, 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 of something that's engulfed in flame. You're just going to get by the skin of your teeth. And you may be saved, but all of your works, all of your endeavors, because they were not after the ways of God, they will be burned up. And they, there will be nothing to show for it. And, and we talked about the sobering thought that we could get to heaven and thank God for His grace and His mercy, but at the same time have the understanding that, you know what, I focused on a whole lot of things that didn't matter. And all those things I focused on, wow, here I am in heaven, there's nothing to show for it. Whereas Paul says, when you follow after and you live after the ways of God, not only, yes, you're going to be saved, but you're going to be able to see the effects of, the, of your labors in the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you, you know what, that's better. What's the only thing greater than being saved yourself is when you are privileged to be a part of the process of seeing God's miracle take place in someone else's life because of you, because of your witness, because of your faith, because of your testimony. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Amen. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Amen. So we're going to pick right up right after this. So he gives them this warning. Now, right after this... He goes on, and let's pick right up, if we will, now in verse number 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? Know ye not that ye, you are the temple of God. You're more than just a person. You are the temple of God. Go on. And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. In you. Now, did they know that? Of course. He's talking to them as, as believers. They've already experienced this, this uh, uh, new birth experience, repentance, baptism, infilling of the Spirit. Of course, they know that. But what Paul was trying to get to them was this revelation. They needed a revelation of who they were in Christ. All right. <clears throat> Amen. We need a revelation of who we are in Christ, not who we think we are. They, had, they, they thought they knew who they were. 
well, I'm, I'm of the best section. I'm of the best part of the church. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more successful in the church. Look at me. We're doing these. We're, we're building the church this way. We're doing this. They, they, they thought they were something. And Paul says, you need a revelation of who you are in God. You are the temple of the Lord, and you have been filled with the Spirit of God. Read on. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Yes. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. For the temple of God is, what's that word? Holy. 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 Now, first we note that it's the Holy Ghost that makes you the temple of God. Yeah. You can't be the temple of God without the Spirit of God inside of you. And that's what we know here in verse 16. Just look at that. Know ye not, you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. It's the Holy Ghost that makes you the temple of God. Praise God. And when the Holy Ghost is in you, he says, you are holy. There is a holiness about you. There is a, you've been set apart. You're not like the rest of the world. You are not like just someone else because the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God is living in you. You're changed. How many know when you received the Holy Ghost, there was something that changed inside of your life. It was more than just a momentary experience, but there was something that changed all of a sudden in one moment when God's Spirit comes inside of you, your appetites change, your perspective change, your outlook on life change. Everything, everything in your life is touched. When the Holy Ghost comes, come on, somebody, the, the things you used to do, they don't satisfy anymore. There's a change inside of you. You're just not the same anymore. There's something that comes over you. you. You've been made holy by the power of, of God's Spirit. And he says, for, ye, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. The revelation, you need a revelation that you are holy or sacred or set apart for the Lord. You're not like the world. You no longer are like the world. There's a change. And so look at what he's letting us know here. You cannot, you can't bring, if you're holy, if you're the temple of God, don't expect to bring defilement, things that defile, or as we've been talking, as he's been talking, don't bring the things of this world, the ways of this world, the wisdom of the world. Don't expect to bring the wisdom of this world into a holy temple and remain holy or for it to work. It's not going to work. There's going to be confusion. There's going to be mess. Uh, let me just pause here and say this, that when God has filled you with His Spirit, He set you apart from the rest of the world. He has blessed you with His Holy Spirit. You are forever changed. You're not going to fit into the world. You are going to be different. There is a holiness that comes inside of your heart. Don't expect to feel at comfort in this world anymore. <clears throat> Praise God. Praise Somebody say praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. Read on. Let no man deceive himself. Okay, here it is, a warning. Let no man deceive who? Himself. Himself. So if you are the holy temple of God filled with the Spirit, who is able to deceive you? You. 
You. Right. Stop blaming the world. Stop looking at everybody else. Paul says, warning, you can deceive yourself. I can deceive myself. Help me, Lord. <laughs> That's why I need God every day. That's why I've got to pray every day. I, I don't know how strong you think you are, but I need, I need God's help every day because, because I can deceive myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Go on. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, yes, let him become a fool All right. that he may be wise. All right. So here, here Paul says, this is a good measure. If the world looks at you and thinks, aha, that's it, then maybe you need to change your tactics. Wow, that's a powerful thing. If by the world standards, everything is, you're checking all the boxes, then maybe that's a sure sign that you've got to go back to the drawing board and you've got to reevaluate where you are because how you're living your life ought not make sense to the world. It ought not be something that the world is, is appealing in their lustful, greedy, selfish nature. There will be nothing about your crucified life that is appealing to the world. Now, of course, they'll want your blessings. They'll want your peace. They'll want your joy. But they won't want to do what you've done to get it. Am I in the word here? Is this a strong statement? Let him become a fool. Now, God doesn't like foolishness, so he's not saying, he's not saying no, no, uh, uh, you know, you, you go be ridiculous and be foolish. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, according to the world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. So what are some things the world thinks are foolish? Well, I'll tell you what the world thinks foolish. You have to go to church every Sunday. You have to go to church every Wednesday. You have to do all that stuff. You, you, you have to give God 10% of your increase. 10%. You give God 10%. You give God, you, yeah, that's where we start. No, that we don't give God 10%. That's where we start. We start there and then we give out of the cheerfulness of our heart. We don't get begrudgingly. Nobody's up there beating us. Nobody's standing at the door saying, okay, here's, I, I see what you've done here. You got to do. No, we do this willingly. Yes. What? You're going to give all that away? Yeah, we're going to give all that. It makes no sense to the world. Well, don't you need something more? Yeah, but you know what? I, I just rather. Does it make sense? Let him become a fool. You worship like that? You pray like that? You live that? You mean you don't do that? You don't do this? Oh, it's not going to hurt you. You can, you, can, you can do this a little bit. No, 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 no. I'm not, not even going to do it once. Not even going to lie. This doesn't make sense to the world. And this is what Paul says. We're not going to be after the ways of the world. We're going we're gonna to be as a fool that he may be wise. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's holiday time. It's holiday time. You're going to see a lot of family, a lot of friends. You're going to see people you want to see. You're going to see people that you long to see. And then you're going to see other people. <laughs> <clears throat> and some of them, they're not going to understand it. They're not going to understand your life. They're not going to, it's just not going to make sense. They don't understand why you're doing that. It's not going to make sense to them. I'm going to tell you, don't worry about that. You just be what you are. It doesn't mean you get a bullhorn out and you be obnoxious and proud. No, not, 
Not like that. You just be who you are, live how you live. They're going to look. It's not going to make sense. But don't be discouraged. I'll tell you, I'll never forget it. We were preaching a revival in Paducah, Kentucky. This is many years ago. We hadn't been married very long. And we were preaching for your uncle. And uh, we were there that year, and a man came down. And God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in that revival. And it was later on, I think it was probably maybe the year next year later, we went back. And when we went back, he was there. And this young man had given his life to the Lord. And he was there. I think I can't remember if it was his, uh, I think it was his, his wife or somebody else was there. And we were praying, praying with her. And he told me at that time, he said, you know what? He said, when I came, when, when he came to the church, he had, he was hooked on drugs, crack addict, whatever else. And he said, you know what? I was in prison. And he said, none of my family called me. He said, when I was, when I was an addict on the street, none of my family called me. He said, when I went to prison, none of my family called me. He said, but the moment I started coming to this apostolic church, family that I had forgotten about were calling me saying, why are you going to that church? And he said this to me. He said, where were they when I was in prison? Where were they when I was in the crack house? I'm going to tell you, that's the way of the world. They're okay. You're in your misery. Yeah, they're living in their misery and sin. You live in your greed, lust, and pride. They're content. They're fine with that. But you start trying to come out of that, and all of a sudden, people will start making comments, making things. Don't you be, don't you be faced by that. Just love them anyway. It's not going to make sense. Well, somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Alright, alright. So, <coughs> if you are deceived, he says, you are deceived if you think that you are wise in this world. So, uh, and I think this is a really good warning here in verse 18, that what pulls us away, what pulls us away from living a life of holiness. Now, let's just, let's take a scalpel here to this. Go to, go to verse 18. We're here. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he, may be, that he may be wise. God has called you to a life of holiness. You're living a different life. You're called out. You're separated. You're called out. That's right. Now, we could go on forever about what that means and how that... And, and for each, some of us, that's going to mean different things to different ones of us because of what we've been saved from and, and, and how we now live. But what can pull us away from holiness, from living a life of holiness, is self-deception. Yes. Yes. Because what does he say? He says, let no man deceive himself. So what does that mean? Well, I'm going to tell you, you ought to be careful when you are dictating the terms of holiness in your own life. All right. Now, I'm just being pastor here for a moment. If you say, be careful when you are dictating the terms of of, of holiness in your own life. Be careful when you say, well, I'm going to choose, you know, what we do and what we don't do. If you do not, that's what God has given us. What does he say? Number one, he's given us his word. And we understand that we are responsible to what's in the word of God. But then he's also given us what? What was, what was the verse that we quoted in Ephesians? Apostles, prophets, evangelists. Pastors and other teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints. 
So be careful when you say, well, I don't need anybody else telling me what to do. I can just, you know, and I, I've, had, I've had people say that well, I don't need to go to church. I, I read my Bible. I can talk to God on my own and I can stay at home and I can talk. That's right. You can. But the problem with that is you can also deceive yourself. Amen. And so be careful. You allow the iron sharpen is iron. That means you're never going to be sharpened unless you're around other iron there. And so it's, it's that. So be careful because you can deceive. I can deceive myself. I, I am intentional about my ministerial network. I'm intentional about my spiritual authority. I'm intentional about uh, my ministerial ethics. I am intentional. Why? Because I don't trust myself. I'm your pastor and I'm telling you this, that I do not trust myself. And so I put God godly men and women in our life to be sure, amen, that if anything happens, I don't want to do anything because I can deceive myself. You can, come on, anybody know what I'm talking about here? <clears throat> I've done it. <clears throat> I've deceived myself. Oh, I, don't, I don't need to listen to them. I can do this all by myself. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, that's why mom, that's why dad told me not to do that. You know, that's why... You know, laying in the hospital bed. That's why mom told me not to jump out of a swing. Yeah, I broke my leg. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, pick your own thing. I, just, I can do this. I can do this. You deceive yourself. It's crazy what we think we can get away with. Amen. Amen. Are we okay? Are you okay? All right, let's read on. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Yes, there it is. For it is written, Yes. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. All right, here in this chapter, he is right now quoting the book of Job, chapter 5 and verse 13. So if you want to make a note of that, he's going to make two references here. So Paul is quoting Job, chapter 5 and verse 13, which says in the NLT, it says, He traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. <laughs> That's what God says. He says, okay, you think you're so wise? I'm going to let wisdom work out in your life. And by their own, they're going to fall by their own cleverness. It's going to be their own scheme that's going to be their demise. And God says, I'm going to let it work out. I'm going to let them. Don't worry about when you see, you know, the world's corrupt right now. We see, we see corruption at every level in our world. Don't you, don't you worry about corruption? Don't worry about corruption and all these big organizations and all, all these corporations and all this other stuff. Don't worry about that because God says, I'll trap them in their own cleverness. Amen. You worry about that. Where, where, are, where are the civilizations that said, that all arrogantly said, oh, not even God himself can stop us. Oh, I'll send the little Medes and the Persians to overthrow you, Babylon. Yeah, it won't take much. Yes. And in your own cleverness. There it is. Go on, read. And again... The yes. Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. All right, so here he is now. He's quoting Psalm 94 and verse 11. Psalm 94 and verse 11. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. He knows their thoughts are worthless, basically, is what he's saying. He knows their thoughts are worthless. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Don't follow after them. Their thoughts are worthless. All right, go on. Therefore, yes. let no man glory in men... For all things are yours. Amen, amen. So what are we going back to? Well, we're going back to some are saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I'm of the Apostle Peter, and others over here saying, I'm of Christ. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're all in the body of Christ together, right? Yes. yes. 
So don't glory in men, because all things are yours. It doesn't matter if Paul baptized you, Apollos baptized you, Jesus baptized you, Peter baptized you. It doesn't matter. You've all been washed. Your sins are forgiven. All things are yours. You have the same access to the same things. It doesn't matter. Amen. Read on. Whether Paul or yes. Apollos yes. or Cephas yes. or the world or right. life or death yep. or things present or things to come. Praise God. All are yours. All are yours. Guess what? It doesn't matter who baptized you. Doesn't matter whether your church was a big church or a small church or, or a, a, a trendy church or an old-fashioned church or a church out of fashion or or a beautiful church or an ugly church or a clean church or a smelly church. It doesn't matter. You've got the same hope. Yes. You've got the same eternal life. You have the same Holy Ghost. You have the same joy. You have the same, you have the same promise. You have the same God that loves you. The same miracle can take place. Hello? Yes. It doesn't matter whether you're in a storefront or you're in this mega place, the same miracle of God's power can deliver. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you, when you're hungry, it doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter how beautiful the place. Make sure the food's not sour, not rotten, not worried. This good food, it's great. Today, Yesterday, on Tuesdays, is usually when we have uh, our, our biggest office days, and they're not here um, um, in the room right now, but yesterday didn't work out, and uh, every once in a while, we'll, we'll go out to lunch together as a group, and it didn't work out, so today, we decided we were, gonna, we were all going to go out in the office. We were all going to go out to eat, so we got all, my wife came, and we, we all got in the same car, and we drove down the road to a place that we know and love has really good food. And as we were pulling in, it's nothing to look at on the outside. Potholes in the parking lot just is whatever. It's not too far from here. I won't tell you where it's at. I won't say what it is. But as we're pulling in, I'm going to tell her she's not here tonight. As we're pulling in, Caitlin says, how many times have you eaten here? Are you sure about this? She said she was real worried that we had just happened to eat there one time and it was really good. And we were taking her back to a place that she was going to get food poisoning. I hope she, she didn't make it tonight. I hope she didn't get food poisoning. <laughs> it actually ended up being really good. They loved it. They loved it. But when you're hungry, it don't, it don't matter. I don't, I don't care. Give me good food. Come on. Anybody ever walked into a dive and you have good food? It don't matter. Serve me on paper plates. I don't care. It doesn't matter. That steak's going to taste the same, whether it's on fine china. Great yeah. This is what Paul says. All things are yours. What are you, what are you fighting over? Right. You're all hung up on the silverware, and you're missing the point. You guys get the same blessing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go on. And you are Christ. You are Christ. And Christ is God's. All right. So you are Christ, and Christ is God. What is Christ? Well, Christ is the incarnation of the transcendent God. You are Christ. You belong to the incarnate Savior, Jesus Christ. And who is Jesus Christ? But he is God manifest in the flesh. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. You have access to the eternal God because of what Christ has done in your life. Everything you need. Everything you need. You have the same access that Moses had. You have the same access 
Amen. That everyone, all things are yours. Paul writes in Timothy, 1 Timothy 1 and 17, Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen, amen. We have, we, it's all ours. It's all ours. We have the same thing. What a blessing that that is. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. All right, so let's, let's go to uh, chapter 4. Let's go to chapter 4 now, and let's begin here in chapter 4. So he's continuing on. All right. Let a man so account of us, yes, as of the ministers of Christ, okay, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Okay, so who are the us in here? Well, he had just spoken about Paul himself, Apollos, who's the pastor there, Peter, the Cephas, the apostle Peter, and uh, he, he has he spoken of them as the ministers of God, and he says, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ. We are ministers of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. So he's saying, literally, look at us as servants, not celebrities. Don't, and this, is, this was the problem. They were making celebrities of the church. After the wisdom of the world, they were, they were uh, uh, you know, we are, uh, 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 even in today's world, we are, in our, our world today, we're materialistic and we're brand conscious, brand conscious, right? So, and all the Ford people say amen, and all the Chevy people say amen. We're brand conscious, and all the Toyota people say amen. All the Yugo people say amen. There's not very many of those left. We're brand conscious. We, we find a brand, we like something, we find something that's what we like. And so all of a sudden we're really, we're really, you know, stuck on that. And this, this was sort of the same thing they had made in the church. They had made the church sort of brand conscious. Well, my brand's better than your brand kind of thing. And, and, and he says, no, 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 you don't look at us as celebrities. You don't look at us as tiered in the kingdom of God. You know, as if it means more, well, pastor, pray. I was sick and pastor prayed for me. Or I, 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 I was sick and, 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 and Brother Ryan prayed for me. Or I was sick and Brother Bollinger prayed for me. No, no. It's prayer. It's people. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter. Your, your four-year-old child can come over and pray a powerful prayer and lay hands. Amen. Does God hear the prayer of children? Amen. Pray those prayers. And so he says, you look at us. As servants, as ministers, if you see us, you see us as ministers. And then he says, as stewards of the mystery of God, read on. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You know what he's saying? He's saying not only ought you see to see us as ministers of God, servants in the kingdom of God, he said, but we are stewards. We're stewards, not celebrities. Not demigods, not, not little rulers walking around, you know, with uh, uh, just, um, uh, what is it when a, when a foreign dignitary comes to, uh, what's, what's the term I'm looking? They come to America and they cannot be com convicted of any crime. What's that? Diplomatic immunity. Yeah, Paul, Paul, this is what Paul's saying. Look, don't look at us as someone that has, we live above, we have diplomatic immunity. 
Do you know that sometimes that thinking actually makes its way into the church? Where ministry lives in this place, well, well, these people aren't smart enough, bless God, you got you gotta you gotta teach the saints and do all this stuff, but then behind closed doors, we can go live but however we want because we can handle that. No, 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 no. Paul says, I, I'm a I'm a servant of, of Christ, and if anything, he said, I have an accountability that you don't have. There is a bar, there is a standard, and that requirement is faithfulness. I'm not faithful, then I, then I am displaced from my position of service in the kingdom of God. And so this service has an accountability upon it. So don't look at us in some kind of way as, or, or sort of celebrities. No, you see us as laborers here, and look at what he says. Now Paul is really going to make himself vulnerable. Here's the thing I love about Paul. If you really pay attention and you listen to what he says, Paul constantly, constantly knocks down this human uh, proclivity to idolize the apostles. He's constantly knocking it down. He's constantly saying, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the one that needs God. Pray for me. He's not walking in the room and saying, you know, this kind of thing that don't, don't let the people think that you ever hurt, that you ever have any problems, that you just always, you know, you just think holy thoughts all the time. You just never had anything. No, he's constantly showing his human vulnerability because he's refusing to take credit or glory for any goodness. He said, my righteousness is not my own. When you look at me and you see the righteousness, it is not my own. It has been imparted to me. It has been given to me by the blood of Jesus Christ. So read on, read on. What does he say? But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. Okay. Or of man's judgment. Yes. Yea, I judge not mine own self. Okay, so, so hold on here. He's saying, look, look, how I am... Really, it doesn't matter what you say. Mm -hmm. You're over here saying Paul, Cephas, Apollos. You're over here saying all those things. But your opinion doesn't matter because it's what God says. His final, his final say in our life is the only thing that matters. This is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. With me, it's a very small thing. Let me read verse 3 if I can in the New Living Translation. I'm going to read, uh, go ahead and read verse 4. Read verse 4 here in the KJV. For I know nothing by myself. I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified? Yes. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Okay, so Paul is saying, look, I don't know anything in my own life right now that condemns me. Yet, I'm not justified by that. Just because I don't know it or I don't think it, that doesn't mean that I don't have some error in my way. So he says, your opinion of me, what you say about me doesn't matter. And what I say about me, ultimately, that don't matter either. The only thing that matters is what God says. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. He says it this way, As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. 
My conscience is clear, but that doesn't even prove I am right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. Yes. Amen. Woo! It don't matter how holy you think I am. It don't matter how holy I think I am. I like you will someday have to stand before the Lord and give an account for myself. And it will be him and him alone that determines how I've lived, what I've done. Don't put your faith in me. This is what he's saying. Don't put your faith in me. You're arguing. You're arguing over flawed human beings that have been redeemed by the grace of God, and they are yet running the race, and we don't even know how they're going to finish yet, and you're all puffed up over that. No, if there's anything, you ought to put your faith in God alone. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Read on, verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. All right. Who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. Will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. So guess what? Darkness, it's hidden. We are masters at hiding things, aren't we? Masters at hiding things in our life. He said there could be things in your heart that are hidden that you don't know about. This, is, this was the very spirit, and the knowledge of this was the very spirit that, that David had when he cried out, Search me! And see if there be any wicked thing in me. He comes to the Lord and he says, God, here I am. I've examined my life and I've made myself. But God, I want you to show me the things that I don't even know about myself that I need to change, that I need to surrender, that I need to submit. That's a powerful prayer to pray. Amen, amen, amen. So in verse 5, he's letting us know here. Go on, read. And will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. Will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. And then shall every man have praise of God. You know what he's saying? He says, don't judge too quickly because we only have partial judgment. We have partial judgment. Don't judge too quickly. You know the things of God. You live, you live holy. You keep going on. But don't judge too quickly. We only have partial judgment. The story's yet to be written. Don't, don't allow these foolish things. It's so arrogant to you to get, you to get hung up on that. And I, I've seen that happen. I've seen where people, somebody's done wrong and somebody else, and all of a sudden you've got to take sides. And now in the church, all of a sudden, the church gets upset and the church splits. And all of a sudden, we're splitting the body of Christ because we're putting faith. This person did wrong, and so this person must be right. And so now we're putting in faith in people that need God's grace and mercy, and we've messed up. Years go down the road and realize, wow, that wasn't really worth splitting over. That wasn't really worth doing this. And all of a sudden, the person that leads you off, then they, they're going to lead you astray. They're going to fail you. They're going to let you down. And now you're left back at square one. And you realize, wow, we really, we, we really, we just got to put our trust in the Lord. And this is what he says, don't judge too quickly because we only have partial judgment. And he said, someday, what, what's the phrase he used? He said, and then shall every man have praise of God. Not only ought, ought I, I not be, uh, uh, be willing to accept the praises of men or hear the praises of men, but be careful how we praise one another. We, we are not 
just to praise one another in that, in that sort of celebrity kind of mindset. We are to love one another. We are to honor one another. We are to appreciate one another. But be careful that we don't start praising one another. And in our world today, it's so easy for us. In our social media-minded uh, kind of concept world, it's so easy for us to praise one another. And we prop people up. We do it ourselves. We prop people up. Right. No, no, no. I'm going to tell you, as pastor, you don't have to. You ought not prop me up to your children. You ought not prop me up to your family. You ought to thank God. What, what does he say? Let's go on here. And he says, every man will have the praise of God. What does he mean? That means someday there's going to be the approval of God. And you know the approval that we're living for? We're living for, it's, it's well done. Yes, Thou good and faithful servant. That's the approval that we're living for. Ought to be living for. That's what we ought to be living for. Not the likes on social media. Not how many followers we have. Not even how many people grace the doors of our church. How many people come to hear us sing or come to hear us preach. What we ought to be living for is the well done, thou good Amen. and faithful Amen. servant. Yes. You know, they say, the, the, the psychologists tell us that, tells us that one of the gimmicks about social media, which is all advertising, is all advertising and marketing uh, uh, mechanisms. Social media is all of it. Google, everything. It's all, it's all ad, ad-based. And what it is when you sign up there, it's collecting your information and then it sells your information in group mass demographics. It sells all that stuff. And so they, they create intoxicating things for us to like it. One of those things is we'll post something on there and people have the ability to give us a thumbs up. They have ability to give us a like, show us a lot of love. And every time that there's a like button, or, or, or somebody hits that, kids, this is why it's so, it's so addictive to children and to people that get on there, you get, you get a dopamine hit. It's like a dopamine hit. Oh, somebody likes me. <gasps> you feel that. You feel that dopamine hit. And so people keep posting things because they live for that like, so they got to post something up. They got to post something else. So it starts out, people are posting interesting things. And by the time it's done, you're, you're posting your cat's furball that they coughed up. It's absurd. It's absurd. You're laughing, but I'm not joking, folks. You know? Well, I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to go any farther on that. But I'm going to tell you, all of the likes in the world are not going to compare to the hit of dopamine you're going to have when he says, well done. Hallelujah. That's right. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. For I reckon that these present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. One moment. Yes. Hallelujah. It will be worth it all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Go on. Go on. Read on. We got to hasten. I got five minutes to finish this chapter. And these things, brethren, yes. I have in a figure transferred right. to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, yes. that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, yes. that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. All right. So he's saying, look, I, I've used these examples. I've used these examples of myself and Apollos that you would not be in a place where you're going to start puffing us up against one another. Paul's making himself vulnerable. He's tearing himself down. He's saying, look, I, I, I don't even trust my own judgment. 
You're, you're putting more faith in me than I put in me. And he says, I've used this as an example so that you would not do this. Read. For who maketh thee to differ from another? All right. And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? All right. So what, what do you have that you didn't receive from God? What do you have? What gift do you have? What talent? Oh, well, he's great. He's a great preacher. Or he's, a, he's a great communicator. Or he's a great, she's a great singer. They're a wonderful singer. And over here, bless his heart, he can't sing. He can't, he can't sing at all. Well, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. God just didn't make his vocal ability very good. So what do you have? Where, where did it come from? It didn't come from you. You, you know more. Now, you can, you can work at it. I understand you can work at that. But somebody with a truly beautiful voice can no more affect affect that than they can the stature of who they are. Who formed you? You didn't form yourself. Right. <laughs> We're so quick to take credit for things that we had nothing to do with. You just lucked out. <laughs> this is what he's saying. Go on, read on. Now, if thou didst receive it, if why, you received it of God, if God gives you this gift, why dost thou glory? Why are you glorying? As if thou hadst not received it. All right. God gave that to you. You're walking around like, look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at, no, 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 no. God gave that to you. Amen. He can also take it away just as quick as he gave it to you to remind you that it didn't come from you. That's right. Amen. All right. Read on. Now you are full. Yes. Now you are rich. Yes. You have reigned as kings without us. Oh, here it is. The irony. The hint of sarcasm that bleeds through in, in Paul's writing. Now you're full. You're rich. He says, literally here, <clears throat> you've begun to reign in God's kingdom before I have. You reign in his kingdom. Now ye are full, now ye are rich, ye have reigned as kings without us. You've set yourself up as kings. That's what Paul's literally going to go on and say. He said, I'm over here still working my fingers to the bone, living in the prison, don't have a house, don't have food, and you're over here living as princes and kings. Look at me, how great I am. I'm in the kingdom of God. And Paul says, you're already reigning in the, in the kingdom without us. Yes, go on. And I would to God ye did reign. He said, I would to God that ye, you were actually at the point where we are going to reign together with him. Now, we know we're going to reign together with him. There is coming a day where Christ is coming back. He's going to put all things under his feet, and we are going to rule and reign with him. But Paul says, here I am. I'm over here. I'm not reigning yet. I haven't had my promotion. I'm over here still suffering, and yet you're out here telling everybody, look at how good I am. I have been blessed by God. I am all of these things. And Paul says, you're reigning without us. I would to God that you were reigning in the kingdom of God because if you were really reigning in the kingdom of God, then it would mean my suffering was over and I'd be reigning with you. All right. <clears throat> 
Paul has a little fun here at their expense. Look at you. You, done, you just done gone on reigning without us. You walked on ahead. Look at you. Wow, here we're still over here. What are we doing? All right? All right? Go on. For I think that God hath set forth us the apostles last, yes. as it were appointed to death. All right. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and yes. to angels, and to men. All right, pause right there. He said, for I think God has set us forth apostles last. It was as it were appointed to death. Here we are. He said, we're living our life appointed unto death. He's an apostle. The other What happened to John? John was beheaded. What would happen to the other apostles? They would all die a martyr's death. Or James was beheaded. They'd all die a martyr's death. John would be exiled in the Isle of Patmos. He says, here we are. We're put out as spectacles. God has put us on display. And he said, not just for, for you to see, but for the whole world to see. Not only the world, he said, even the heavens, even the heavens, even the angels, they're going to be aware of what is taking place here. And here Paul steps up. And now, after what he's just said, he said, you're going on, you're reigning without us. Now he is going to make a defense of his foolish life according to the world. I'm living my life. This world looks at my life and they're going to say I'm nothing. They're going to say I'm foolish. But Paul is making a defense of why he is living after the ways of God. And in doing so, he's condemning them because he's saying to the Corinthians, you're puffed up in your pride and you are trying to live in a way that impresses the world. Where he says, I'm not trying to impress the world. I'm trying to live for that well done, thou good and faithful. I'm trying to live for a way that pleases God. I'm living my life foolish to the world, but pleasing to God. Read on. Look at what he says. We are fools for Christ's sake. We are fools. Who's he talking about? The apostles. We are fools for Christ's sake. Go ahead. But ye are wise in Christ. But ye are wise in Christ. We are weak. But ye we are, are strong. We, he, he's using it here. He's saying, look, here we are. We're suffering. But you over here, no, you're, you're pretending not to suffer. We can't suffer because suffering to you, you're saying it's foolish. No, you've got to show yourself that you're strong. You've got to show yourself that you're blessed. You've got to show yourself that you're rich. God forbid that you have any sacrifice in your life. Folks, this is, this is not comfortable preaching that Paul is doing right now. And he's preaching at the, the leadership in the church at Corinth. He's coming at them. Look, at, go on, read, read on. You're honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked. All right. And are buffeted. Here we are, yes. And have no certain dwelling place. Yes. And labor working with our own hands. Working with our own hands, yes. Being reviled. Yes. We bless. We bless. Being persecuted, we yes. suffer it. We suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We entreat. We are made as the filth of the world. Yes. And are the offscouring of all things unto this day. All right. So here Paul is. He's defending. He said, here I am. I'm living foolish after this world. world doesn't like us. Mm -hmm. Here you are, but you would be ashamed of us. You would be ashamed of what's going on. Read on now. Look at what he says. I write not these things to shame you. Yes. But as my beloved sons, I warn you. He's letting them know, look, I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm not trying to shame you. But I am trying to warn you because you are living your life based off the measure of a world that's lost in sin. Go on. 
For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yes, yet have ye not many fathers. All right. He said, it don't matter if you had 10,000 mentors, preachers come by, people helping you. He said, you only have one spiritual father, and that was me. He said, I was the one that the Lord brought to Corinth. I was the one that God spoke in a vision. I was the one that obeyed God. I was the one that heard the voice. I was the one that walked among you. I was the one that labored and served and worked and preached and, and withstood all of the persecution. I was the one that did that. You were not ashamed when my suffering brought your salvation. But now you're ashamed to stoop yourself down to the same place. You've exalted yourself above. Said, no, we can't do that. Go on. For in Christ Jesus. Yes. I have begotten you through I the gospel. I have begotten you through the gospel. Yes. Wherefore I beseech you. All right. Be ye followers of me. Here's what Paul says. Look, if I was good enough to be the one that God used to deliver the gospel of salvation that would save your soul. He said then then don't be ashamed of how we are living. Be followers of me. You want to take the benefits and the blessings, but you don't want the lifestyle. You, oh yeah, Paul's good. Paul's good when it means, Paul's good when it means that, that he comes and preaches and baptizes my family and he helps my family rid themselves of the demons that they fought and the sin that they fought. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I want Paul. Paul, I need, I need your help me, Paul. But then, oh yeah, Paul, Paul, you know, poor Paul, he's, he's foolish, he's crazy. We don't have to live like that. We don't have to do that. No, we, we, we're going to live like this. Paul says, look, my ministry was good enough to save you. It's good enough to lead you. That's some pretty strong, that's some pretty strong stuff that Paul's talking there. Go on. For this cause, for this have, cause, have I sent unto you, Timotheus. Because... God was the one that sent me. He said, I'm sending you Timmy, Timothy. He's my son in the gospel. And he's going to come. He's going to lead you. He's going to preach to you. He's going to show you the things. Go on. Who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord. Yes. Who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways. All right. Yes. Which be in Christ. Yes. Yes. As I teach everywhere in, in every church. Yes. Now, some are puffed up as though I would not come to you. Some of you are, some of them among the Corinthians, he says, are arrogant enough. They're puffed up enough. And they're saying, they're saying, oh, I'm not going to come. I'm not going to come to the church. I'm not going to come back. Paul was there, but Paul's no more. And I'm not going to come back. Look at what he says here. But I will come to you shortly. He said, I'm going to come. Yes. If the Lord will. If the Lord allows me, I'm coming back. Yes. And will know. I will know when I get there. Not the speech of them which are puffed up. Right. But the power. All right. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but For in the power. the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. He said, when I show up, he said, it doesn't matter what you say. He said, what's going to happen? And I used to preach a message off this. Your testimony is telling on you. It don't matter what you say, it's going to your testimony because the kingdom of God is not just talk. It's in the power and the demonstration in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. And then look at this verse 21 as I close with this. What will you? What will you? Now, Paul poses a question to them. What will you? Shall Go ahead. I, shall I come unto you with a rod? Shall I? That's a discipline. Do I need to come to you in spiritual discipline? Or in Literal love. with spiritual authority? Yes. Or in love? Or in love. And in the spirit of meekness? And in the spirit of meekness. So the last verse of this chapter, Paul 
is letting them know. He said, you are going to decide what pastoral tone my ministry takes. How you live your life is going to determine what spiritual tone I have to take when I get there. Wow. Paul literally tells the church, he said, you're going to decide what tone I take when I come and I minister to you. On this day and age, we live where every, everyone just has itching ears. We don't like what the pastor says. We'll just go find a new pastor. Paul says, you, you don't have anywhere else to go. And the tone that I'm going to take is determined by how you are living. Live holy. Live righteous. Live after the wisdom of this world. Isn't that good stuff? Isn't that good stuff? I'm thankful for the Apostle Paul. I'm thankful that he had the courage and he could only say that and speak that strong after he had only already acknowledged his own vulnerabilities and the own fact that you don't put your faith in me, you put your faith in God. Stand together with us tonight. Thank you. Amen. Let's put our hands together and thank God for his word.